This morning I'm going to read a part of scripture that all of you are very familiar with. It's amazing though how the word of God is alive and that we may have read a familiar scripture so many times over and then when we read it that special time it just clicks in our heart like the 23rd Psalm or or the model prayer. I'm going to talk to you today about the Israelites crossing the Red Sea. I want you to be reminded that that is a profound episode in God's Word where God manifests His glory and deliverance and it's sort of a, a turning point or a reference point to so many other places in Scripture. Isaiah used it. Uh, you remember Rahab the harlot that that turned to God, the true God, and hid the spies. She did that because the Bible reference her says, we heard about this God that dried up the sea and delivered his people. Joshua, when he was about to embark on the conquering of, of the enemies after Moses' death, referred to the God that dried up the sea. We need to see the God that dries up the sea. We need to see God as big enough to do anything. We need to quit fooling around with our thoughts and selves and situations. We need to get our mind off our problems and get our mind on God, okay? That's what we need to do. I'm not saying that because I'm a psychologist or I know all the answers. I'm saying that because God says it, okay? That makes a difference. This most profound part of Scripture is given us to learn about God and to understand what we're supposed to do when we get between a rock and a hard place, knowing that we will, in fact, get there. Many of us have been there, but there's nothing impossible with God. Lots of things are impossible with us. Most things are, but not with God. If you would please stand with me while I read this most important part of God's Word. I think that's one way we can honor God this morning, by standing at the reading of His Word. I'm going to read from Exodus 14 and start at verse 10. The Scripture says there, God says really, And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, let us along that we may serve the Egyptians, for it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. And the Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? 
Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. But lift thou up thy rod and stretch out thine hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they shall follow them. And I will get me honor upon Pharaoh and upon all his host, upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Would you please be seated? Now when we think about this episode of scripture, and and again we're talking of a theme of worth the wait. That has been our theme the past two Sundays. Today's the third one on that series of messages. Waiting is a hard thing to do. Most of us don't do much of it. I'm going to talk to you today about waiting in stillness and silence. Okay? I would, I would challenge you to, to ask God to help you just be still and silent for one day. Even one night. You do not have to put everything you know on Facebook. You can just be quiet. You don't have to tell everybody what you know. You don't have to text everybody every thought or every turn you have to go on the road. We need to spend more time in stillness. I mean, just getting to know God. Because once you know God, you know what you need to know. But there are a lot of people who don't know what they know. We need to know stillness. God says in Psalms 46, 10, be still and know that I am God. Do you know God? I'm going to tell you that's the most important part of you. Do you know God? That will be the greatest blessing to your heart. It will honor God and it will make a difference in everybody's life that you have contact with. If you know God, Again, I'm not talking about knowing about God. A lot of people know about God. They are so busy in religion, busy in Bible studies, busy in going and doing. But when you just settle down, how is it just between you and God? Can you be alone with God? You know, we're living in a world people not alone. I can't stand to be alone. I'll tell you the true mark of a Christian. God is God. Oh God, you are with me. And we need to sit down and understand and ask God, oh Lord, teach me to be quiet in stillness and help me, God, to know where it is I ought to be. You won't know that until you're still and quiet before God because everybody else will be telling you where you ought to be or what you ought to do. We need to stop listening to everybody and start being still and knowing God, okay? Now, right here in Israel, or this part of Israel's life, they had been delivered from bondage. Over 400 years, they had been in bondage. And God knew that. And God heard their cry, and God sent a deliverer through Moses, who is a type of Christ, you know? And so now they've They've been through the plagues. 
nine of them, and they've, they've been through the plagues of the last one being the death of the firstborn. In other words, the angel took the life of the firstborn unless the angel saw the blood on the doorpost of the Israelites. That was the Passover. So what I want to tell you is the the Red Sea is the sequel to the Passover. You hear me? So what it means is this is such an important part of Scripture because the Passover means God saw the blood and he passed over. What it means to you and me is God saw the blood of Jesus and he passed over our sins. You have been forgiven by the blood of Christ, okay? These people of God were now at the point of no return, almost. They were in a situation, they had the Red Sea in front of them. And they had a roaring, uh, angry Egyptian army, a mighty army behind them. Keep in mind, they had already been delivered. They had already been delivered from bondage. You keep in mind too, with me, that you are at the point of life. Maybe you're in a situation where, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know. I fear this is going to happen to me. I'm in a mess. I don't know what to do. That will come after you're saved, okay? Do not get discouraged when you face trials in your life and problems and you say, oh gosh, what have I done? You have done that. You have been brought there by God. God led Israel to this point. I want you to get that very clear. And God leads you to your most worrisome situations in life, the most horrific things we can deal with. It is not by chance that you have faced heartbreak in life. It is not just a, a happen chance, just the draw of the cards of the dealt that, that you were dealt. No, God brings you there. He led these people by the cloud and by the fire at night to where they were. And God had a purpose in it. And God has a purpose in bringing you to where you are in life, facing your trials and troubles. And I want you to know what the purpose is. The purpose is God's salvation and God's glory. Do you want to see it? If you want to see salvation, then you got to stand still because that's what God says. Stand still and see the salvation of God. I'll tell you what, in my little life, and I know it's a fearsome thing, I'm just about fed up with COVID, aren't you? I mean, I've been vaccinated and boosted. I've been worn masks before. And you know what? What I think about is this. We have done everything, and I'm not sure that we have been made fools of in a lot of ways. Just see if we're going to jump through the hoops. And we have missed we have had masks on and we've taken masks off, but we have blindfolds on, spiritual blindfolds, because we can't see that what we need is God. And God has brought us COVID. And God has brought us a mess in our government. And God has given us all this. But he says, look at me. It's time to be still and see God and understand the quietness and the blessings of him. And I believe this says that. Gives will come to this point. They've already been delivered. 
and you've come to this point in life, you've already been saved. Don't you go back and think, well, you know, they said, I, I just, well, go back to Israel, Egypt. I told you. I told you, they said. What's going to happen? You ever heard that? I told you so. <laughs> I'm going to say this, you know, don't quit listening to yourself. Listen to others. Don't listen to others. Listen to God. I mean, that's what God is in you. Listen to me. And you got to know, you got to get quiet before you can listen to God. I've told you before, you've experienced it too, some of you. I've been to waterfalls in North Georgia. And we go to Hilton Creek Falls a lot when we used to go there. But I remember we'd walk there and we'd talk all the way. Just chit-chat, just good family conversation. But you know, when we get to that waterfalls, we have to shut up. Because you can't hear anything but the waterfall. And that's how it is with God. We just need to listen, oh God. What are you going to tell me today? You can hear a lot more when you're quiet. You can. You can do a lot more in your stillness than you can in frenzied activities. Okay, I want to say three things. What I want to say is wait in stillness. That's my subject. And I think it says it here for sure. This is not complicated when you get yourself between a rock and a hard place and what to do. God says three simple things. Stand still and see. (laughs) That's what he said. Fear not, because if you stand, first thing I want to say is stand. What does that mean? It means in an upright position. We need to quit running from everything. We are people running scared. I'm talking about Christians almost. You know what we need to, you know why we're running scared? Because we're not living, believing God as deep and trustworthy as we ought to be. God says in his word, the wicked flee when no man perish pursues. But the righteous are bold as a lion. The righteousness that God has put in your heart ought to give us boldness to understand, oh God, you saved me by your grace. And to know that you're going to use me and bless me is what a blessing that we need to see. To stand that we're upright. That's what the armor God gives us in Ephesians 6 is for. That we may stand because we're facing an enemy called the devil. In this place of scripture, Pharaoh is a good type of the devil. We read it in verse or two before when I started reading that God raised Pharaoh up for a purpose, just like he did the devil. The devil is God's devil. God says, I raised Pharaoh up for a purpose that he might get me honor. How does God get honor? When God gets honor, we get into a place where we can't do anything. God has to do it. And he has to do it all. We can't do half of it. We can't do part of it. God does all. And we need to give him all the glory. All the praise goes to God. And we do that when we just stand still. But we stand, okay? We have to stand. And when we stand, we see God. We, we understand we're, we're standing We're upright, but we're waiting for his orders. We're attentive. Be sure you know that if you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. That is so true. We need to stand for God. 
We need to stand for God's word. We need to stand and believe and trust Christ. The witness of a spiritual born man or woman is going to be most vividly displayed is where you stand, how you stand. And we need to see that and bless God in it in our way and to believe that God can do all things. And to not really say, well, you know, I've got to this bad part in my life. I'm having all this happen to me. So I'm going to just go back to drinking or doing drugs. Or I think I'll just go back to just living in the world. Committing adultery, whatever. What difference does it make? That's what Satan wants you to do. You know, don't believe Satan's lies. His best, best two lies is number one is a little bit won't hurt. A little bit of unbelief will run you with your tail tucked between your legs. Secondly, Satan will say, well, everybody else is doing it. I mean, that's the kind of world you live in. Do not do things just because everybody else is doing it. We need to see that we're going to stand of what God says do. And sometimes you'll be standing alone. But you'll be where you need to be. Because God says, don't you fear. You know, don't fear not. Fear not. Believe me, how do we do that? How do we in the world? Because this is a scary situation. COVID is scary. Politics in our world is scary. Our economics, our life is scary. But you know what it says in Isaiah 26, 3. Let me read you one short verse that will bless your heart if God uses it by his Holy Spirit. In Isaiah 26, 3, if I can get there quick enough before God lets it cool down, says this, Thou, that's God, will keep him in perfect peace. That standing peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. You stay with God. You get your mind off your problems and get your mind on God. Because that's where it's going to make a difference. That's the first thing that God says. Notice what he says. He says, And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not. Don't be scared. Don't worry. Why? Put your mind on God. How do you do that? By standing. By being still. By being quiet. I mean, just the opposite of what we human would think. We say, I got to do something. I mean, got to have something. I got to go somewhere. I got to do something. I got to be somebody. You don't. That's the devil's lie in our lives. When our mind is stayed on thee. Jeremiah 6 16 says, Stand ye in the old way. Stand and ask for the old ways, he says. And that's where we need to be. God, I'm standing here. I can't even walk without you holding my hand. But God, I'm going to stand for you. Because I believe you and I love you, God. And I know that the only way I can stand is because you've enabled me to. And if you, God, don't want me to take a step, that's okay. But stand. They wanted to go back. But we stand by God's grace. Number two, he says, be still. 
Now see, what happens is, here's the miracle of grace. Inner stillness will make for outer strength, okay? Inner stillness will make you stronger outwardly. But until you get still, I mean, it's worth the wait. Because when you get still, you can understand that it's only God. Because God speaks in that stillness, that still, small voice. God says, I can do all things. Now, you've got to understand that unbelief just shoves God out the way. Belief brings God in. And that's where the stillness begins. So after you stand, you're still. I'll tell you what you do this afternoon. I think the weather's going to break. You go outside and get up by a tree. And look at that tree. And that tree will give you a lesson on stillness. You hear me? Because that tree does not move. Got it? How does that tree get to be a tree? He puts down roots. So many people in the world are so movable, they, tra- they run everywhere around, you know? I mean, they, they can't stay in a place long. You get still with God and you put down your roots. I looked outside this morning, those trees in my backyard, they were whipping back and forth. But they were standing. They had a stillness about them. Yeah, they've been with the wind, but they raised back up. Get still with God. It's worth the wait. Jackie and Ryan are getting ready to plant a lot of cotton and peanuts. But I guarantee you they're not going to get the combines and the cotton pickers out the next week and think they're going to pick something or dig something. They're not going to put those seeds in the ground and say, well, you know, I think I'm going to just move this field. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to switch cotton and peanuts. I'm going to do that. They're going to lay them there. They're going to stay still. And you need to get still with God in your life. And even though it might not look, I imagine that seed, it looked pretty dark down in that furrow. But when God, in this time, it raises it up. God says, do it. Believe me. Because this same Red Sea, that's the example of our life in Christ. The trials of our life. And the thing that the Israelites feared the most, the Red Sea, became their deliverance. And I want to say to you and me, the things that we fear the most, even death, will be the means that God will see and bring when we stand still and see. We'll say, God, thank you. Thank you, God, that this happened to me. Because it turned out in a way that I would have never imagined. And you know what? When you and I get to heaven, you're going to see your life. You're going to say, God, I cannot imagine. I never would have thought it would have turned out like this. My friends, that is God. That is how God does it. Because it's not what you do. It's what God has done to you and for you and is doing through you. So you be still enough to heal from your brokenness. If you're a sinner, and we all are, and God convicts you of a sin, do not try to make up for it. Quit trying to run around and deal with all your regrets, you know. I'm going to make up for it. 
I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm not going to do drugs. My goodness, you're going to lie. How many days can we go without sinning? Any of us. Zero. That's how many. No use for us to make such a promise to God. What we need to do is say, I'm going to give my life to you, God, because I can do nothing. Because God will do everything. Our problem is we try to do God's work and we're failing miserably. We're failing miserably in our country. Parents are to raise children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, not the church. Parents are to have that, that priority. Fathers are supposed to be good husbands and be that leadership, servant leadership to their families not some political agenda. It's got to be the old past. That's how God has arranged it. And simply put, it's the priorities that matter most. God gives a priority here. It's order. Can you imagine these 600,000 men, not counting women and children, probably over a million people, God says stand still. And he says do it at a time of horrific drama. (laughs) Can you believe it? Stand still. Be quiet. You're about to see the salvation of God. That's what you're about to see. And so what a blessing to see that. Priorities. God, family, church, work. Is that how it is? I know you've heard that millions of times. But you know what? We just seem to neglect that. We're going to put everything else before God. And we think we're so religious but one day we'll see God in this and as we stand still enough to see him and understand that in blessing. We need to heal by being still. You break your arm or leg, you go to the doctor, they're going to put it in a cast. Why do they do that? It's got to be still. You got to heal. Our hearts are broken. And what we're going to do is run around some sort of frenzy and find some remedy, some relationship, or some, some, something to juice me up a little bit and make me feel better. My goodness, go to God. He is the great physician. Be still and knowing. You know, I've used this before, but, I, but it comes to my mind every time I think about this. We get so busy, we miss God. I remember when I was doing my forestry work, I wasn't even thinking about being a preacher. I still don't know how I am. I remember I'd been out in the woods, and, and I was recording trees. I was doing sample data, taking data in the forest, and I was doing it on a data recorder. We didn't have the sophisticated methods now. We can do it electronically. So I would just voice do it in a little handheld recorder. I was touting the trees, you know, loblolly or longleaf, whatever it might be, size of them. Then I would go into the office, the next day or so, and I would replay that recording. And I would tally it then. And then Penny would do the calculations in the computer. But here's what happened to me. I would be out in those woods working, trying to say, i got to get this done, you know. I mean, i mean, got another job over here. How much money is this going to be? I guess let's get through. But when I got in the next day recording that, you know what I heard? I heard the birds singing in the woods. I didn't even hear them when I was out there. You know what I'm saying? 
You get out and you watch God's nature. You hear the birds and you go out at night and you hear the frogs or whatever it might be. It is calmness to your soul. What we need is to understand that we need to slow our minds down enough to hear our heart speak. That's time well spent. Just doing nothing. And we think we got to talk all the time. We don't. Penny and I rode down the area, you know, somewhere the other night to eat supper with Dave and Patty. And um, on I-95, I mean, sometimes Penny and I do this a lot. We don't talk. I mean, I was riding down I-95 and my wife's sitting over there pastor. We're not saying a word. No radio on. I mean, I, I thought every now and then I think, well, is she mad with me? Without saying anything. But no, I know that because you see, the depth of your life, still waters run deep. You hear me? You get on the river and you get in that place in the river, you see a lot of turbulence up there in that curve, you can bet that's shallow water. You better be careful. You get in deep water in life, it's going to be as still as it can be. And God is going to lead you there because never but never question the captain's judgment. And God is the captain. Hey, I remember riding on the boat over at Dog Island, that ferry we'd go over there when we went down there years ago. And it's a long way from the mainland to Dog Island. And I'm not, I'm not a sea person, and I didn't know how seaworthy the boat was. And I know sometimes I look over and see that storm, and that captain say, it's all right to go. And then he'd get out in the sound, and as far as I could see, it's water, but, but he just went to a certain place because he knew where the channel was. He knew where to keep the boat. I didn't know that. God knows where to keep the boat. See, my daddy would get out fishing. I sang the other day, he'd take me fishing. Every now and then. Not a lot, but I remember times he did. And I remember as a little boy, the one, one lesson I had to learn about fishing, my daddy is, son, do not rock the boat. You be still. And that's hard to do. And what God is saying to you and me in the church, what we need is quietness and stillness. Do not rock the boat. Give God it all. You don't have to add lib. You don't have to add one thing to this word. What we need to do is pay more attention to the white spaces between the verses. That's what we need to do. We don't have to be so concerned about how much we know, but we need to be more concerned about how much we care. Well, it's time to go, but what do we say? God says three simple things. Stand, still, be still. Stand, be still, and see. What are you going to see? Yourself? You want to see things the way you think it ought to be? No. See God. How are you going to do that? You're going to have to understand that stillness and holiness goes together. And Jesus didn't say just to to spend his breath that the pure in heart shall see God. How do we see him? By faith. Hebrews 11 said, "They, They having not received the promises, but they saw them afar off. 
Abraham left the place of his homeland not knowing where he was going. But he was looking for a city whose foundations and maker was God. See, you can't see God without him enabling you. Don't try to dig it up. Don't try to get smart enough. Jesus says, no man can come to me except my Father which in heaven drawing. Jesus said to Peter, who do you say I am? And Peter said, Lord, thou art the Son of God, the living God. And he said, blessed art thou, Solomon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it to you, but my Father's in heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, if you see God by faith, I mean, just a glimpse that you believe that somewhere in your life it's going to work out all right. You might not understand because these people crossed the Red Sea. It wasn't all open. It wasn't just an open court and not an interstate highway. They had to do it one step at a time and it opened up. But I want to tell you something. It's lots of times, it's harder to walk on dry ground than it is on water. You hear me? It's harder because we take it for granted. It's harder because we think we can do some things. Peter walked on water, but he knew he couldn't do it. He had to keep his eyes on Jesus. And when he took his eyes off Jesus, he started sinking. But walking on dry ground is hard to do. Gosh, I could go on. But you don't want me to, and probably God doesn't. I don't know. Maybe I need to be still too. I want you to remember that Jesus was in that fiery furnace with those three Hebrews and Daniel. They had to go in there. Do not think your life after salvation is going to be easy, cushy. But Jesus was in there. Nebuchadnezzar saw him. The world sees Jesus in your problems. When you stand still in your quietness, they have that calmness. They know, you know what? You can get around a Christian in the world today. You can tell that person. You don't have to ask what church they go to. You can see God in their eyes. Because you can see that stillness, that quietness. May God help us to see that. And bless him in that way. That's what we want to see. It's worth the wait. So we need to stand still. And keep looking by faith. To what God is doing. And quit wondering what's going to happen. Because I want to tell you for sure. I'm going to make this announcement in case we don't know. The devil is not going to win. He's not. I thought it was very interesting when I found out in studying this. God had promised Israel back in Exodus chapter 3 that they would worship him in Horeb. Eleven chapters later, they turned and said, well, I think I'm going to go back. I'm going to tell you, you're going to be in heaven with Jesus one day. God has done that for you. You don't have to keep up the installment payments. He did it all. Okay? 
What we need to do is thank God that he's brought us to a Red Sea, if in fact he has. Because we are in a position to become a reference point. And many of you have in my life. You think I'm preaching to you? You're preaching to me, my friends. You are reference points of what God can do when you get to a Red Sea. And you stand still and see the salvation of God. And you take one step at a time. And then when it's all over, God drowned every one of those people. Those enemies. And all of our sins God cast in the sea. Don't you let them follow you around. You've been forgiven. May the Lord bless us to see his great salvation. It's worth the wait. Would you bow with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the glory of your precious holy word. We thank you, Lord, for giving us the account of scriptures that you do. Lord, it's good to know that not any part of your book is not for some purpose. Maybe this lesson today has been a very special one to somebody here. I don't know. Help us, Lord, to be still and know that you're God. To be quiet and hear our hearts tell us where we ought to be or where we ought not to be. We come to you, Lord, with a meek and quiet spirit. You said to Peter, Lord, that was well-pleasing in your sight of great price. Lord, quietness. We're so human. We think we've got to be doing so much. So many times, Lord, the things we think are so powerful are just piddling. But, oh, Lord, when it comes to the end of our days, we can even face our death as our greatest ally and friend. Just like the walls of the Red Sea, you will bless us to pass through to the other side on dry ground. Help us, Lord, to believe that even death itself is just a waiting room to be shrouded in your glory. Prepared, O Lord, to enter your greatness, holiness of heaven itself. Thank you, Lord, for each one that's here and for your listening ears that you've granted. Lord, I bless your holy word. Lord, mend the mistakes I make with it. It is so perfect because you are. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your grace and your loving kindness, your faithfulness to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.